It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. God is so awesome and so worthy of our praise. And my prayer, you all, is that Thanksgiving uh, seasons would not just be limited to a day, uh, but that we realize every day is a day of Thanksgiving. And for those who are grieving, we want you to know we are continuing to pray for you. Uh, several of our members are in hospital, and we are praying for your healing and recovery. Others of you are in the midst of some pretty difficult times. Uh, we've got some families that are going through some pretty dark seasons right now. And so we pray for all of you that are both here in person and those that are watching online who find yourselves in the midst of these very uncertain times uh, to know that there's a God who is certain. And my prayer is that you would anchor yourself in something greater than yourself. Uh, because when you do that, you find peace. As we approach the word of God today, my prayer is that we would open our hearts to ask the Lord to speak to us. Uh, so once again, can we pray as we go before the Lord? Father, thank you for the worship that's been lifted to you. Thank you for the sweet moments of prayer that we're able to have to commune with you, to ask of you, to receive of you. But now, God, we come again for this moment that we get to gather around your word and to seek you. We thank you that your word says if we seek you, that we will indeed find you. So for the person who does not know you, our prayer is that they would come into a relationship with you. For the person who knows you, but for some reason has fallen off and strayed away, thank you that you're not like people. You don't judge us and you don't keep uh, things hanging over our heads, but you're ready to receive us. So God, would you bring the wandering soul back home? For the saint that loves you with all of her heart, with all of his heart, uh, would you, God, let these words today encourage and speak in a way that only you can. We'll be so very careful, God, to give you all the glory and the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Amen. Come on, let's do it real big for him. I didn't say clap for me, but can we give the Lord a praise that is worthy of the King of Kings? And the Lord? Is there anybody glad to be saved? I don't know. Y'all don't look like y'all. Is there anybody glad to be born again? Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible, the Bible tells us. All right. Awesome. You ready? The Bible tells us that those of us that have been redeemed should say so. And it doesn't always mean being loud. Uh, for some people, your personality may not be that way, but it's a shame uh, when God has been so good to us and uh, so good through us and for us that we just can't take moments to just say thank you to him. And so we're so grateful. For those that are visiting with us, again, we are always grateful and thankful for you. Uh, for those of you that are online, that are connecting with us, we are so grateful. We are continuing in a series on the family. We're calling it Family Matters. 
Matters, and we opened up uh, this amazing series talking about children and the responsibility uh, of children to honor the Lord and to uh, honor their parents. Uh, and in honoring their parents, the Bible says that there's a promise connected to that. It says that their days would be long upon the earth. Uh, and we talked about how God wants parents to engage with children so that they don't rebel against uh, the parent, uh, but also realizing that sometimes we need to train up a child in the way they should go, even if the child doesn't want to be trained up in that way. Uh, and the importance of parents who are in Christ uh, being very vigilant and very intentional uh, and helping their children be steered in the direction of the Lord. And then we talked about marriage and the covenant of marriage. And we really lean into the fact that uh, God ordained marriage. Marriage does not start in a courtroom. Marriage did not start with the government. Marriage started in the scriptures. And God gave us instructions of how he would want married couples to operate and to behave and to act. But also, more importantly, God said, I want when people to look at the marriage union for that to be a reflection of how they see Christ and the church. And we talked about the importance of us resembling this unconditional love. Say unconditional love. Now, you all, let me just say this to you all. Sometimes when you're married to somebody, you do not want to keep on being unconditionally loving. I know it. But, but God wants us to, listen, God wants us to show the world what it's like to be committed to someone who may not be on their own worth that commitment. But the covenant enables you to love them in spite of. And so we talked about the importance of covenant uh, and what God's intention is about marriage. And then last week, we leaned into singles and those who are single in various categories, whether you've never been married, whether you are widowed, whether you're divorced, uh, whether you're separated. Uh, individuals who are not married falls in that category. And we talked about the importance of realizing you don't have to find somebody in your life to be complete, but being in Christ makes you complete. Amen. And, uh, and that we also need to know that those who are single because you're not uh, committed uh, to give so much time in a marriage or matrimonial relationship, you're able to use your gifts and your time uh, and your various uh, resources for the things of God. And so Paul admonished singles especially uh, to use that space that God has allowed you to have to serve him. But today, you all, as we close out this month, we're going to lean into a subject matter that I feel is so critical uh, for the church and, and so many times for families and it's understanding the next generations, particularly you all, the millennials and Gen Z generation. I want to open up with a scripture uh, found in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2, verse 10, Judges 2 and 10, and it says these words, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Uh, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Uh, turn to your neighbor uh, and help me if you don't mind announce the subject of this message. Say, neighbor, we owe it to the next generations. Amen. We owe it to the next generations. You all, um, I want to share with you a quote. And as I share with you this quote, uh, it may seem like it's something that was literally written uh, uh, yesterday. Listen to this. They, young people, have exalted notions because they have not been humbled by life or learned its necessary limitations. Moreover, their hopeful disposition makes them think themselves equal to great things 
And that means having exalted notions. They would always rather do noble deeds than useful ones. Their lives are regulated by more feeling than by reasoning. All their mistakes are in the direction of doing things excessively and vehemently. They overdo everything. They love too much, hate too much, and the same with everything else. Aristotle. So lest you think this sentence or this uh, explanation of young people was written yesterday or a few years ago, uh, <laughs> eons ago almost, uh, Aristotle, this great philosopher, uh, he wrote and penned these words about the nature of youth. He says, I love this part, he says, youth have exalted notions because they have not yet been humbled by life. Uh, let me just say this, you all. How many of you all know young people who think that they know everything? I mean, and, and how many of y'all know that as a parent or maybe as a guardian or a aunt or uncle, uh, you find it difficult to have somebody who is only 20-some years old talking to you about how wrong you are about your life? Come on now, I don't know, maybe you, you've never encountered this, but keep on living. Uh, listen, you all, young people, this is not something new. Aristotle said that young people, because they have not yet lived life, have a perspective and a viewpoint about life that is not grounded because they have not been through a whole lot. Uh, my mother would say this to me, and I thank you, Mama, for telling me this. She would say, uh, I said, Mama, that ain't going to ever bother me. That ain't going to ever affect me. She said, baby, just keep on living. How many of y'all ever heard that before? Keep on living. And, and so you all, I think it's important for the church of Jesus Christ to, to, to figure out how do we train the next generation? How do we raise the next generation? And how do we reach the next generation? Uh, understanding them a little bit more. Now listen, you all, uh, it doesn't mean we have to accept them to understand them. Let me say that again. Uh, it doesn't mean that to understand the next generations, we are accepting who they are, accepting how they think, accepting their viewpoints, but it is incumbent upon us, if we ever want to be relevant and ever want to gain their ear, that we at least understand them. Amen? And you all, the church, unfortunately, won't, listen, wants everybody to understand us, but we don't want to understand nobody else. We want everybody to agree with us. We want everybody to adopt our worldview. We want everybody to do what we do and the way that we do it. But we don't always, you all, unfortunately, uh, do it uh, in a way that would be humble enough to listen and learn from others. I just want to share with you all another scripture that gives me encouragement when I look at the next generation. Uh, I remember when I was young, you all, that was the generation of Parliament and Funkadelic. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Uh, that was the era of Rick James. That was the era of Prince. Uh, back in those days. And when I started playing those records, it, it was records, by the way. Uh, Y'all don't even know about records. Y'all got MP3s and digital stuff. But they had these things called records. And sometimes there were big records that were like 33 and a half. They would go real slow. And then they had little small 45. Anyway, they had all these records. And I'd be bringing these records home. And my mother said, that's it. Your generation is going to hell in a handbasket. Come on, how many of y'all heard? Remember that? Uh, listen to all that music, talking about uh, all that stuff. The Rick James and all this over-sexualized stuff. Don't make no kind of sense that they would allow that kind of music to be played. My mother would turn over in her grave and do somersaults if she listened to Cardi B and to Megan Thee Stallion. 
But I'm saying to you all that just as your parents thought that you were lost, and just as your parents and my parents thought that our generation was unredeemable, many of us are looking at the next generations with the same views and the same opinions. But listen, the same way that God some way, somehow kept us, directed us back to him, kept us in our right mind, he's also able to keep our young people and direct them and lead them in the ways of truth. Psalms 105, listen to it. Psalms 105 says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Watch this now. His faithfulness continues through what? All generations. God's faithfulness endures through all generations. You all don't ever feel like the issues of today are going to make God get off the throne. Don't ever feel like what you're noticing in society, what you're sensing in the world with music and culture and, and even value systems are so big that it's bigger than God. God knew what was going to happen before it happened and the Bible says that his faithfulness endures not just for your generation, not just for your parents' generation, but also for our children and their children and their children's children. Y'all better get excited about that. Listen, if you look in the natural, you'll be overwhelmed. If you look in the natural, you'll get angry. If you look in the natural, you'll feel hopeless. But if you look at the word of God and know that he's been the same God yesterday that he is today, he will also be the same God tomorrow in the lives of your children and in the lives of our world. Can we give God praise for that fact? Hallelujah. And let me just say this to you, parent. Let me say this to you, grandparent. Let me say this to you, auntie. Don't you let yourself get overwhelmed by what you see. The Bible says, look not at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are unseen. For the things that you see are subject to change, but the things that you don't see, they will never change. Don't you look at your child in the way that he is right now. Don't you look at your child in the way that she is right now. Look at what you know God has fashioned them to be. Look at what you know God has called them to be and stop being overwhelmed in who they are now and lean into what God has purposed them to be. You better hear me now. I had a mama that prayed me out of my craziness. Some of y'all been saved your whole life, ain't never done nothing wrong. But some of y'all been in the club dropping stuff and, and, and turning it around. Some of y'all were using drugs, should have been strung out somewhere. But God, he kept you, brought you back. Why? Because some way your mama took you to church. Somebody told you about God. Somebody dropped in your spirit that Jesus is real. And he even though you acted a fool, God had a hook in you and brought you back to him. So listen, don't you be upset that your children don't hear you right now. Don't you think that they don't hear you. God has a hook in them. And even though they might be in the water thinking that they're on their own, someday, some way, somehow, God's going to reel that thing back in and bring them to where they ought to be. I need some parents to give God a praise of expectancy of what you know God is going to do. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't get overwhelmed, you all. Don't be, don't be, don't be sidetracked because God is the God of generations and, and he's able to endure things that sometimes we don't always see. Uh, you all, there's just another scripture that I want to share with you all. Uh, Psalms 102 verse 18. Psalms 102 verse 18. Listen to it. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. God says, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created 
may praise the Lord. The word of God has been given not just for us, you all, not just for our blessing, not just for our answers, but the Bible says that these things have been written in the word of God so that generations that have not yet been created may give God the glory may praise the Lord. So why are we a Bible church? Why do we focus on the scriptures? Why do we lean so much on the Bible? Why? Because God says, let these things be written for future generations so that the people that are not yet born, your grandkids, your great grandkids that have yet to be born, when they come out, they will have something to praise the Lord. Amen. So, y'all, we want to talk about millennials and Gen Zers. Millennials and Gen Zers. Now, you all, some of y'all, when you come to church, especially some of the older people, uh, you're like, what that got to do with the Bible? I don't know nothing about no millennials and, and Gen Z. Where is that in the scriptures? Uh, you all, generations is in the scripture. Okay? So, don't just throw out the word generations and then not be able to put context to what generations mean. If God is the God of all generations, then who are the generations that he's the God of? We need to, listen, if we open up the year talking about being fishers of men. Remember that? How can we fish for people? How can we reach people that we don't even understand? All right. All right. Add a quick question. How many of y'all like pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie. Hands up. Uh-huh. All right. All my white churches I go to when I say that. The whole church raised their head. Just let y'all know, Thanksgiving, pumpkin. How many of y'all like sweet potato pie? Somebody say, hey, hey, sweet potato pie. All right. If I want to reach somebody, I'm going to bring the pie that is connected to the cultural context of the person who enjoys that kind of dessert. If I want to reach me some Anglo folk down in Kentucky, I'm not going to bring them a sweet potato pie. I'm going to bring them a pumpkin pie. And they'll say, how thoughtful of you. Somebody bring you a pumpkin pie. You might not even take a slice at all because that's not what you like. Are you following what I'm saying? So knowing what you like, knowing how you're wired, knowing your appetites, then helps me give you what you might desire so that I can help reach you appropriately. Are you following so having an intellectual understanding of the generations and who they are, what they value, what they're like. Now listen, don't try to fix them. Just listen and learn about them. Some Christians are so grieved by what is not them that they never fully interact with the person the way that they are because they want them to change to connect with them. In other words, unless you think like I think, vote like I vote, see the world the way I see it, I'm not going to talk to you. And you are, we're not going to reach nobody that way. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's talk about millennials. Millennials, you all, and the word millennial really comes from when we turned over to a m- new millennium, right? Uh, 1999. Remember, they thought the whole world was going to stop. Remember that? 2000, Y2K. All right. So millennials get that word millennial because they're the ones who really crossed over into 2000 out of the 1900s. They're also called Generation Y. Uh, I want you, So these individuals are born, and this is roughly between 1982 and 2000. They're about 88 million millennials in the United States, 88 million of them. Uh, The collective spending power of this age group is $30.2 billion. 
Uh, they are the individuals, you all, who were able to see the beginning of the tech and social media uh, rise. Uh, when these individuals were born and their lives began to come into to full effect, they, they, they saw the evolution of the personal computer. They saw the evolution of the cell phone. They saw technology moving in different ways that the world had never seen before. And so millennials find themselves to be so uh, on the cutting edge and a sense of the uh, beginning of tech and social media. But you all, millennials have another personality. Uh, they're often viewed as entitled. But let me just say this, you all, because that word comes kind of with a negative connotation, entitlement. But you all, the, the previous generations, which would be Generation X, those of us who are boomers, uh, we were raised with challenges. Our parents didn't have much. Many, uh, many of our uh, people uh, came from parents who were in poverty. Uh, many of them struggled. Many of them came through different eras where they were not able to have certain rights, et cetera, et cetera. And so when we, Generation X, had kids, we said that we're not going to let our kids suffer the way that we suffered. So what we would do, you all, we would helicopter answers uh, and, 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 and save them from trouble. Uh, we don't want you to get in trouble, so we're going to pay your bills for you. Uh, we, we, we don't want you to go through what we went through. So my mother, let's watch this now. My mother made me go to church. And so I'm not going to make you go to church because I'm going to help you not have to go through some of the things that uh, uh, I went through. And so uh, parents, you all, of uh, millennials chose to rescue them, even you all to the point of paying for their tuition and paying for things where in other generations, folk work two and three jobs. This generation does not know that because parents uh, interrupted any of that stuff to make sure I'm going to take care of whatever you need. This generation has a lot of stuff because we buy them lots of stuff. We had to earn stuff. They just expect stuff. And so before you get mad at their entitlement mentality, realize that that mentality came from somewhere. It came from the fact that you tried to protect them from working. Now they don't want to work. <laughs> oh, don't look at, don't look at me sad. You tried to protect them from uh, grinding the way you grinded. And, and you had, don't, don't let nobody tell you that I'm mad at my boss. I'm a, I'm a, baby, I got you. I pay that bill. You find a job that you're comfortable with. And so now that you've rescued them out of their struggles and rescued them out of their hardships and rescued them out of their pain, guess what? Many of them are entitled. They expect certain things. As a matter of fact, you all, they will actually choose to work in a place for less money if it makes them feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all in jobs you ain't comfortable at at all, but you're going every day because you just know you got to go to work. Oh, but not your kids. Your kids will stay in your basement and eat up your food and live off of you before they choose to go and work hard and work two and three jobs like you because they often find themselves entitled. They also, you all, have a huge value of story story. Millennials, you all, enjoy uh, not just stories of old, but, but finding out people's life stories. They actually care about learning about other people. 
Unlike many of us in, in the Gen, uh, Gen X area, era, we chose to only want to learn the things we want to learn and, and stay in the areas that we're most uh, used to. Uh, these younger generations, you all, are open to hearing stories and hearing perspectives and experiencing things that are often outside of their norm. Why? Because social media and technology has given them a broader worldview than many of us could have ever imagined. Story. Another uh, characteristic of millennials, you all, is that they are tolerant. Tolerant. Um, they, ha they have a deep love of story so they can appreciate another story, even if that story is not a story that they would do or they would kind of adhere to. They will tolerate things that sometimes are a bit uncomfortable. Why? Because they don't like a lot of conflict. They like to be peaceful people that often bring resolution. Uh, one of their values, you all, is that of authenticity and self-expression. Uh, this generation values people that are authentic or who do what? Keep it real. They enjoy people who are uh, able to express themselves. Listen, even if that self-expression seems a bit odd or a bit different, they will value self-expression at another level. Now, let me just say this, you all, about millennials. Millennials, uh, and these are individuals, again, who fall in that category, 1982 to 2000, uh, somewhere in like the uh, 20s, 30s, right at 40. Those individuals... Um, their parents went to church, watch this now, but their parents' theology or the way in which they learned about God was often not academic, it was often transferred. Watch what I'm saying. The, the Gen Xers, their parents, went to church, learned stuff, but never really understood why they learned it, they just learned it. So if someone asked someone, so explain to me, why do we do communion on a first Sunday? Or explain to me why Christians uh, worship on uh, Sunday, which is not the Sabbath. The average person would say, I don't know. Because why? I just know we always go to church on Sunday. But nobody's taking the time to maybe uh, educate or give me depth into why I do what I do. Now watch this now. And we accepted it though because again, Gen Xers had a different level of non-questioning. We were taught to not ask questions. Come on now, how many of y'all know when your parents said something, that was it? Well, my, my mama, why, why we got it? Don't you be asking why we got to go first on oh, Sunday. It's because it's the Lord's Day. But, 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 mama, I heard that the Sabbath was Saturday. Listen, you get yourself together and get ready to go to church, right? It might be because the parent really didn't understand the question that the kid was asking. Why do we worship on Sunday and not on a Saturday? But since it was transferred, watch this now, although we were positive in what we were receiving from our parents by coming to church, doing things, uh, studying the scriptures, doing certain things, the next generation who again is a bit more entitled and has been taught to ask questions, they are not just going to accept something just because you said it. And when they ask a question that cannot be answered, they find it hard to believe that you're authentic. 
if authenticity is a value and you cannot explain your faith and explain why you believe what you believe the way you believe it, you lose the interest of the millennial. They're looking for depth. They're looking for connection. But listen, and that's why millennials will buy vintage stuff. Have y'all, do y'all know that millennials enjoy buying old stuff? Uh, do you know that millennials enjoy having uh, old kind of clothing uh, and, and, and antique stuff? They even want to buy typewriters. They even want to buy retro. They will buy a retro phone because they enjoy being rooted in something that is deeper than themselves. So they desire to have depth. But the parents that they're under don't always have a reason for what they believe to give them theological depth. Let me say it again. The parents who love the Lord cannot explain the Lord that they love. The parents who love the Lord cannot explain the Lord that they love. And because they cannot explain it, we just accepted it the millennials are not just going to accept it. Why is your Lord greater than the Lord Allah? You weren't, your, your mama beat you upside the head if you said Allah. Don't you be bringing up them, them, them gods of them, right? Not millennials. And so listen, you all, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Stop being angry at them being made the way that God made them and we have helped form. Stop being angry at them wondering why doesn't your, uh, why does your Sunday religion not look like your Monday religion? We compartmentalize mama and daddy acting buck wild and on Sunday praising God. And we found a way to create some kind of a compartmentalization for that. And we still love the Lord in spite of that. Young people call it hypocrisy. Y'all better hear me. Why in the world would I follow a God who is, is inconsistent as you are? And so you all, as we want to talk about millennials and reaching them, we need to understand that how they've been shaped, how they've been made, the way in which they think, the way in which they feel, that is a part of our responsibility. We've got to be willing, listen, to answer questions. If we cannot be willing to answer questions, we cannot expect them to blindly just follow. And, listen, millennials have a hard time being involved in organized religion because they've lifted the hood on religion and saw how heinous religion has been against people. They will tell you, and you, when you do a survey, they'll say, we're not religious, but we're spiritual. And you ask them spiritual high. Well, we believe that there's a higher power. We believe that there's somebody greater than myself. But if I got to connect with organized religion, I will not do it because I've seen the hypocrisy of religion. And if you say stuff like, well, you need to change how you're thinking, you just can't. They ain't going to change how they're thinking. Unless you give an apologetic that will help them maybe lean in in a way that they have not. So millennials, you all, are good. Listen, they're They're people. And they're made differently than the generation that you are in. And if you're older than a Gen Xer, if you're, uh, you know, the great, the great generation, the ones who uh, fought in the wars and all this, listen, you all have come through things that Gen Xers don't know. 
My mother was a, a sharecropper's daughter. I don't have any context of that, but I do know that I came in poverty, but not her poverty. I went down to her house in Mississippi. I'm like, that's outhouse poverty. How many of y'all had a house with an outhouse? Anybody? Anybody have been, anybody ever been to a house with an outhouse? Okay. That's a serious situation <laughs> when it's nighttime and you got to go use it and you're going outside. So you all, many of us don't really understand that each generation is not necessarily to be negatively viewed, but to be understood so that we can figure out how to bring them into the family of God in a meaningful way. So let me just transition to Generation Z. Generation Z, you are born 2001 to 2019. 77.9 million dollars, uh, 77.9 million of them rather, are in the United States. Uh, they, they control about 10.7 billion dollars of the market share. Uh, this generation, you all, uh, younger people, of course, uh, they have a, a greater EQ or emotional uh, quotient. They have a greater view of self-awareness. Many would say they're too self-aware. These are the ones that can identify their trauma and publicly say that I want help for my trauma. These are the young people who say that I have uh, experienced certain things and I struggle with certain things and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to bring to light issues of mental illness or emotional challenge. And so you'll find these people will be a lot more open uh, about these things. As a matter of fact, eight out of ten of them have reported having had a traumatic experience. But listen to their schedules. <laughs> Gen Z spends six hours, this is average now, six hours a day on their phone. They spend two hours a day on video gaming and streaming. 1.5 hours on music and the other 1.5 on live TV. So you all, look at that, they spend close to uh, 12 hours, 11 hours on just being connected to a screen. If you think that you are able to be more interesting than the information and the plethora of, uh, of stimulation that they're able to get from a screen, then you've really not understood that generation. That's why it's hard for them to sit in one place and listen like you're listening. Because they're used to screens. Do you know I did a survey once, I was at a church, and I asked how many of y'all, it was a church that had these big jumbo screens, and I was close enough, I said, how many of y'all actually prefer watching me on the screen than looking at me directly? And all of the young people that were Gen Zers said, we much rather, even if we can look at you in person, we'd rather see you on the screen. They're more adept and more comfortable with that. Uh, Gen Z, you all, uh, finds themselves, someone says, in a digital Babylon. You all, uh, if you remember, uh, the children of Israel were taken into captivity and placed in Babylon. And when they were in Babylon, they were forced to learn the Babylonian customs, uh, uh, what they valued, their, their religious beliefs, their customs, their, their, their attire, all that stuff, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been in that category. And so there, many, many theologians are saying that today, young people have been placed in a digital Babylon, listen, where information is endless, um, the information age has come, which means that young people today have limitless access to information. 
which means that when they get information and bring it back to you, mama, or bring it back to you, daddy, or bring it back to you, Christian, they want you to give them an answer for what they found online. And when you say stuff like, I don't have time for that, or that's not that important, or I don't know, they end up going with trusted web opinions more than necessarily God's opinion or your opinion. And so you all, we need to be mindful that uh, the pull of technology has a very intentional uh, focus. Not only is it good in a lot of ways, giving information and access. Uh, how many of y'all know technology is a blessing? I, I, listen, I use technology for everything. I really do. So I'm not against it. However, young people are accessing stuff that we dreamed about or we were terrified about. Uh, let me just say this, and I, uh, back in the day, you all, if we wanted to find content that was of a adult nature, we had to find an uncle with a magazine. Y'all don't know nothing about that. The uncle, we had some uncle, some, we always had an uncle that had a magazine, and we said, let me see that, and we find it, and we look at a picture, and we're like, I saw that picture. And young people now just pull out their phone, <laughs> and they are seeing everything. And so here's the question. With that amount of access to information and that amount of access to knowledge and that amount of access to influence, where is the church or where is the Christian community in that set of information? And when they access that kind of information, what kind of information are they accessing? So in other words, if they do find Christian content, what does that content look like versus the other content that they're getting from the world? And usually, you all, it looks crazy. Um, one of the challenges that we need to face as, 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 a, as a community is that we need to help them hold to something uh, that has orthodoxy or, or can outlive generations. Uh, what, 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 do we, what do we hold to? What do we believe that is just beyond our generational context? But we need to be honest about the failures of religion as we push orthodoxy. In other words, we can't just push devotion to Christ and then tell them that the church has not failed in some ways. They need to have an acknowledgement that, hey, you know what? Do you know what the church did to people like this? Do you know what people in the name of the Lord did to nations? Do you know what people in the name of the Lord did for marginalized people? Are you willing to accept that? And if we're not willing to accept that, it's hard for them to expect, accept our orthodoxy when we cannot also explain our history. Watch this. Do you know that um, young people who look at things that, and again, this is not, I'm making a generalization, I'm not about every Catholic person, this is not, Catholics are wonderful people, but because of many of the atrocities of the Catholic Church, there are many people who have a hard time believing in following religion when they've seen what people in the Catholic Church have done to children. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Uh, it's hard for many people to, during the prosperity movement, it's hard for young people who have a burden for the marginalized, especially for the poor, to see that there's been this pre predominance of pastors and churches that push prosperity gospels. With, and listen, and, and 
People have views about it, but for young people, they have a hard time understanding how can the world be in such pain and such brokenness and such need, and then certain ministers have such excess. Explain that, right? And so when we cannot explain how Christians were the ones who said, we will win your soul, but you will remain my slave. You need to hear me now. Because in the United States of America, the greatest proponents of slavery were born-again, spirit-filled Christians. Now, how do you explain to a young person, follow Christianity because those were the ones who kept your ancestors in slavery in the name of the Lord and found theological reason for it? Descendants of Ham, your skin is dark, therefore you're cursed. And because your skin is cursed, you are subservient to us. And not only that, we don't even believe you have a soul. And so since you don't have a soul, we have the ability to have you as chattel or property. So now you're going to tell a young person, follow that religion. They may believe in the Jesus of the Bible, but not in the followers of, the G of Jesus in the Bible who enslaved people. And so when people ignore those facts and ignore those truths, it's harder for them to lean into our orthodoxy when we cannot also own up to our institutional failures. Gen Z uh, are under the influence of influencers. They will often follow influencers people who they value, people who they deem important, and they will end up finding sometimes uh, their values from the influencers. Uh, they'll find their uh, worldview from whoever it is that is the influencer in whom they follow. 60% of Gen Zers uh, will follow an influencer. So if you've got a young person in your life that falls in the category of a Gen Zer, they, they, are, they are following somebody. What does that mean? That means every time that person drops a post, they're looking at the post. What are they wearing today? What are they saying today? What are they eating today? How does their hair look today? What are they valuing today? And, and, and you guess what? Many of them are more influenced by the influencer than they are influenced by you. They value um, uh, five times more of them are more likely, of, of the general population, are, are more likely to identify as a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Listen, 18% of Generation Z will identify as bisexual. Now, in church, some people say, Pastor, you don't need to be saying these things in church. I'm telling you a statistic about a generation that is just factual. 18% of them are identifying as I like men and I like women. Now you say stuff, the devil is a lie. Oh, the devil is a lie, come against that. And you should if you want to, but you coming against it ain't gonna change the fact that they have decided that I like boys and I like girls. Now here's the question, how can you possibly reach them when you will not at least acknowledge that the them that they are is them? Let me just say this, church. Please hear me now. And I need y'all to hear me, Citadel of Faith Covenant Church. I believe the word of God. I believe that truth is not relative. 
I believe that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Next year, I'm spending the entire year building the case as to why I personally and why we as Christians believe in the Bible. I'm going to build the case because I'm not just going to tell you, especially in lieu of what millennials and Gen Zers think, believe what I believe without reason. All right. So I believe the Bible. But please understand this. I'm not going to ignore where people are just because of what I believe. So just because you believe something is wrong doesn't mean that the person who doesn't believe what you believe is not on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying to you. When you have a family member who does not believe what you believe, how do you treat them? Hear me. Hear me. Because if we're not careful, our judgment of their life will help us lose our ability to witness to them by not loving them to the kingdom. <sighs> accepting a person doesn't mean accepting their life. But don't you dare throw away the person. Because can I tell you something? Just because that particular uh, issue or struggle ain't your struggle, you got one. And what's so deep about it is that you have selectively chosen which issue is greater than the other issue. Hear what I'm saying? Your pride and your arrogance is not a sin. Because just, I just tell people like it is. Though I, I just, I'm going to just keep it real. Because it's called pride. But it's not sin to you. But it's sin to God. You got so many shoes and so many clothes buying one thing after another thing because you're greedy. And greed is a sin. But can't nobody call that to you. Because you just got to have a closet full. So when somebody is struggling with an issue biblically, that does not align with what you believe in the scriptures. The question is, how does God treat you? And if God is showing you grace and God is showing you mercy and God is showing you love and God is showing you unconditional care, then why can't you, in the name of the God that's showing you that kind of love, show it to somebody else? Enough of the church being so sanctimonious that we cannot love everybody. Everybody. I've had gay and lesbian people join our church and I've had people come to me and have a meeting. Pastor, I heard that uh, some people that were Gay and lesbian joined the church. What are you going to do about it? I said, well, I heard that uh, a gossiper just told me about some people who just joined the church. And what am I going to do about you? <laughs> I'm going to shepherd you and love you the way I love everybody that walks down these aisles. Because why? I'm not the Holy Ghost. 
I am not God. Let God convict. Let God change. Let God do what he does. That ain't your job. You Show me the world you made. Show me the cross you died on. Show me the people you got up. Then maybe I'll listen to you. But in the meantime, I got a God who loves. And if he loves, then doggone it, I'm going to love too. So as I get ready to close, we will lose the next generation's church if we do not understand how God has allowed them to be wired, because God is sovereign. He's allowed them to have the personalities, the worldviews, the appetites, the challenges that they have. And it is not your job to try to fix or change them. It's your job to say, God, how can I love them? How can I love them? And if I love them enough, they'll ask me, what's your opinion about this? Because now you've earned a voice. And then, in the spirit of humility, you can say, well, hey, let me share with you what I believe. And what I believe the scriptures might be saying about that. Then they might say, well, how in the world am I going to navigate that? I don't know, but can we maybe figure it out together? That's a whole different way than how you think God ain't for it. We'll miss a generation if we do not be mindful of how God has allowed them to be made. There arose another generation after all of us died who didn't know God and didn't know the God of Israel. Let it not be said on our watch that when we close our eyes, there's a generation that grows up that doesn't know anything about Jesus or nothing about the ways in which he's been a blessing to you. And not because of him, but because of us. They didn't know him because of us. Let that not be the case, Citadel. And for those that are listening online, let me say this to each and every one of you. If the church has hurt you, the church has judged you, the church has made you to feel. And listen, there is judgment now. The Bible is full of it. But God doesn't tell me that I have the right to decide to be the judge. He's the judge. So there is judgment. But for everybody that's not loved on you, respected you, let you show up the way you are and just received you, let me just say we are so sorry for the hurt and the wounds that that has caused. If you're here in this sanctuary today and, and you're saying, I can't even believe I'm in anybody's church, for the stuff that I've been through, <laughs> I almost committed I would never walk in the church again. But I'm here. Let me say to you, we may fumble. Yeah, exactly. We may stumble. We may miss it. We're, we're human. But please know one thing. I can't speak for nobody else, but there's a church on the corner of Warren and Trumbull who loves you so much that we're not going to look down on you. We're not going to make you feel as though you're not worthy, and we're not going to try to fix you because you know what? All the fixing we're trying to do with you, we got more fingers pointing back at us than the one that we got pointing at you. And so um, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give grace 
uh, to us and allow us to have the opportunity to walk with you, to pray with you, to lead you. And for those that are desiring to maybe become a part of us, it's a safe place to, to be a part of. Some of y'all enjoy the ministry, but you're like, I don't know if I want to join it. You know what? Join something that you know God wants you to be a part of that will help you grow and develop in a relationship with him and know that this community is committed to do it in a loving way. Amen? Let's give God praise for his goodness. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise for his goodness. Anybody, anybody expectant that God is going to bless the next generation? I, I, I am convinced that you all, God has some great things in store with the next generations that we have the opportunity to serve. So let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we love you, we honor, and we bless you. We thank you so much, God, for giving us your word and reminding us that you're the God of all generations. Doesn't matter what the era is, doesn't matter what the generational gaps are, you are the God of each of them and all of them. Heavenly Father, we lift up, God, every single person who is a young person falling in the category of millennial or Gen Zer. You know how they're made. You know the questions that they have. You know the appetites, the leanings, the desires that they have. You know the ways in which they think. And God, you're not intimidated or put off by any of it. God, as a matter of fact, before they were born, you already knew that they would have those questions. Before they were born, you already knew that they would be in the midst of the things that they're in the midst of. And God, thank you that you love them with a love that is so amazing. God, lead us, lead us to have a burden for them. Lead us, God, to pray for them, to fast for them. Lead us, oh God, to understand that they are valuable and that we're not to be so angry at them not being what we want them to be, that we miss who they are. Oh God, in Jesus' name, forgive us. For the person who's listening now, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I say this to you? Jesus loves you. You know what he did? He hung out with the people nobody else hung out with. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. They were like the most greedy and overcharging folk ever. He hung out with the prostitutes and hung out with the people that had bad reputations. Jesus loved people. And so you know what? We want to invite you to a relationship with him. And you know what? You can't just have one. You've got to uh, create one. The Bible says you must be born again. Jesus said it. You must be born anew. Your first birth wasn't enough. You were just born of flesh. Now you need to be born of something greater. Born of his spirit. Well, how do I be born of his spirit, pastor? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is the son of God Jesus is God and I surrender to him in that moment when you do that the Bible says you are born anew born of the Spirit of God one of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger there's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased but where do we go how do we move from faith to faith the Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.